Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, my, I am Cuauhtli Olivier Herrera, and I am a postulant to the diaconate here in Carnation and in our diocese. Uh, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you throughout the pandemic or, you know, please, you know, come up and talk to me. Not right now, later. Uh, I promise I am nicer in casual conversation than when I preach. I also tend to cry less in casual conversation, but I make no promises. I could start crying in the middle of a, a talk about Netflix or something. I don't know. I, I, was figure, I was trying to figure out over the last few weeks how to best start this sermon. And I even asked my wife to kind of bounce some ideas. Hey, what's the best way to start? I feel like we have a, a long oral narrative history incarnation of telling stories. So stories are good. So I'm going to start with a story this morning. Uh, imagine yourself, visualize yourself uh, on, a, on, a, on a late night, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning in L.A. And if that's hard to visualize, just, you know, just, just go along with the story. Um, imagine a, a, this is a real story, by the way. Don't, don't, it's not like fiction. But there's like this, a, an old middle-aged Jesuit priest is deep in sleep, as you usually are at 3, 4 a.m. in the morning, right? And, and then the, the phone rings. You know, at 3 a.m. in the morning, like, how, how dare they, right? Who calls at 3? And, and I wonder how many of us would pick up that phone call at 3 a.m. and at 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, I don't know. I want to say that I would, but I, I don't know. Sometimes you just, you just want to let it go to voicemail or maybe, maybe if they call a second time, you'll pick up because then it's really important. Uh, or maybe they can just send you a text message. You can read it and then choose to disengage and go back to sleep. You know, there's so many ways to choose not to engage with people when they reach out. But the, the priest, like he, he actually picks up the call, right? The Jesuit priest, he picks up the call. And on the other line, the first thing that he's asked is, did I wake you? And, and you know, he, he doesn't tell this to the person on the line, but he's thinking, what do you think? Like it's 3 a.m. in the morning, like, of course. <laughs> but no, but like he just lets it go. And, 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 the, and the young, there's a young man on the other side of the line. His name is Cesar or Cesar in Spanish. And he... He, had, he says, I, I got to ask you a question. And when someone has to ask you a question at 3 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. in the morning, I think it's a time when we should actually, like, you know, listen to what is so important that he had to call. And the question is, you know how I've always seen you as my father? This is the young man, you know, telling the priest, ever since I was a little kid. Well, I have to, I have to ask you a question. And there's a pause. And the priest can tell that the young man is like, there's a lot of gravity in what he's about to say. Have I been your son? And I think at this moment, sorry, I stepped away from the mic. At this moment, the priest, I think he, he realizes that this is heavy. This is important. This is what, uh, what some would describe as a holy ground moment. A moment when like the Holy Spirit creates a moment for to engage with the, with the words and the power and the love of Jesus. And, and the response is, and please forgive me, but the response literally that the priest gives is, oh, hell yeah. Like he just, yes, like, yes, I have, you have been a son to me for sure. And to this, the young man, Caesar, he says, oof, I thought so. This is just this relief, right, from the gravity that he's feeling. Then he says, I will be your son and you will be my father and nothing will separate us, right? 
And to this, the half-sleep, half-conscious uh, Jesuit priest says, yeah, absolutely nothing will separate us. As Christians and as a church, we are invited and encouraged to imitate Christ in all things. I hope that if we can only agree on one thing today, if we can only agree on one thing this morning, if everything else that I say is just, you know, you're like, nah. I hope that's it. I hope that we can agree that we're called to imitation of Christ. We're called as sons and daughters into the daily and moment-by-moment imitation of the Son in words, actions, and hopefully in our hearts, in what we're saying, in what we're doing, and how we feel about the things that we're saying and we're doing. However, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we aren't just encouraged and called to imitation, but we are also enabled and empowered towards such imitation. In other words, through the Holy Spirit, we have full authority to freely pursue the imitation of the Son in all things, in every moment, because it is by the Spirit that our slavery, our chains to sin are broken. As Jesus tells us in Acts 1, Jesus tells us greater things than what I've done, you will do, right? You know, there's this, 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 this empowerment from Jesus to the disciples. And then later on, in, in, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Earlier on in John chapter 14, he kind of tells him the same thing, right? Like, I've done all these cool things, all these great things, but you will do the same things once I'm gone. However, this morning, I'll be the first to admit that I often fail at imitation of Jesus. Often my imitation of Christ fails so spectacularly that you can picture it not as a runner stumbling right before the finish line, but more accurately as a runner spontaneously combusting at the starting line, failing before the race has even begun. I often get so caught up in my expectations and my ambitions and my desires and in my checklist for every situation and every conversation and every engagement that I fail to listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And not just speaking to me, but what the Holy Spirit wants to remind me is that it is only by the Spirit and not by some sheer human resourcefulness that I can ever really imitate Christ. Now, when speaking of Christ, of imitation, our minds and imagination can quickly turn to like, well, Christ was so powerful and cool and he did all these miracles. We can't, we can't imitate that. And I, I think I, I would like to disagree we can't imitate that. Like much like the paralytic in the gospel passage we've read, you know, I think Holy Spirit has power for that, even in our daily lives. But I want to focus on this morning on not the, I guess, the miraculous, but on depictions of Christ's incredible ability and capacity for spontaneous welcoming compassion. By spontaneous welcoming compassion, I refer to Jesus' capacity to welcome, engage with, connect with people unconditionally as they are and where they are, not as we would like them to be or where we would like them to be, or when it's more convenient for us to engage with them. We see this incredible capacity from Jesus over and over again throughout the Gospels, whether it's a tax collector or a prostitute or a centurion from an invading army that has enslaved your people for hundreds of years. Jesus has this incredible capacity to unconditionally show compassion. 
So when I stand here this morning and I tell you that I am incredibly inspired and encouraged by the life and testimony of Father Gregory Boyle, who is the, the, the Jesuit priest in the, at the, beginning of, in the story at the beginning of the message, it isn't because Father G, as he's better known, is depicting some superhuman ability or trait that he has mastered through many years. No, I want to imitate Father G in my life because in Father G, I see a beautiful and genuine example of Jesus welcoming compassion toward not just a stranger, even though that's the standard we hold ourselves to, right? The stranger, but compassion towards the criminal and the felon and the villain and all the outcasts and all the people that the kingdoms of this world would rather remain invisible. Those whom we would often rather remain invisible because it makes our lives less complicated and less uncomfortable. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit alone, one day I hope to imitate Father G's own imitation of Christ's spontaneous welcoming compassion. So I could stand here today and tell you that Father G, a Roman Catholic Jesuit out in L.A. working in the, in the slums, is some rare specimen of masterful humanity that we should all model each day. But no, you see, I think, I think Father G would disagree with that. I think Father G would say that it is only through the power of God flowing through us that each one of us is called and gifted to welcoming compassion in each moment, in each situation, in each relationship, even the spontaneous ones. You see, if, if we actually believe that Jesus speaks truth in the Gospels, then we should live every day of our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, going from moment to moment by acts of spontaneous welcoming compassion. And now that sounds intimidating, but that's what we're called to. If we can learn one thing from Father G's life out in LA, is that the pursuit of a life of welcoming compassion will demand extreme vulnerability and trust that the Holy Spirit is actually in control of all circumstances. Father G has shared through lectures and books like this one, many stories of the toughest and meanest gangsters in LA walking into his office, searching for just a little bit of grace, mercy, and compassion, in search for someone who will give them a second look and not just stare at the tattoos or the scars, someone who will give them a second chance. What I admire about Father G is he has chosen time and time again to look at them twice, to offer them a second and a third and a fourth chance. How many chances has Christ offered us? Father G tells the story of Scrappy. I think I'm going to name my, change my name to Scrappy one day. Uh, and he describes Scrappy as the biggest, the tallest, the fiercest gangster that he has ever engaged out in his ministry. And he mentions that in one of those holy ground moments that the Spirit provides, Scrappy shows up at his office out of nowhere. No, no call, no warning. He just shows up at his, at his parish office. By the way, Scrappy is someone that at previous years in a funeral had pointed a gun at Father G and threatened to kill him. So, you know, context is everything. But Scrappy shows up in his office, and I can't imagine what Father G is thinking. It's like, okay, he's come to finish the job, right? This is it. He's going to finish the job. He's going to kill me. But no, Father uh, Scrabby sits down and, and starts falling apart emotionally. And in one moment, he says, 
I have spent the last 20 years building a reputation for myself. And now I regret that I even have one. And in that moment of vulnerability, Father G doesn't see the gangster. Well, he doesn't just see the gangster because obviously he has a history. But he doesn't just focus on the scars or the tattoos. He doesn't see the large man in front of him who could end his life in a second. But he sees a man through the lens of the spirit. He sees a person in need of Christ imitating compassion. So my question to you this morning is, who is in need of welcoming compassion in your life? Sure, all of us can use some welcoming compassion every day, right? Um, we can all use some grace and a little bit of extra mercy from our peers and, and our families, maybe. But here's a better question. Who, who is invisible in your life? Who do you run into? Who do you run? Maybe, well, maybe you don't even see them. Who, who is part of your daily routine that you just, it would, life would be so much easier if they just weren't there. Is it your neighbor? Is it your coworker who you can tell isn't doing too well, but it's honestly easier to keep things professional? It's too, much, it's too difficult to get things personal, right? You don't want to get in people's lives. Plus, we're supposed to keep, you know, six feet of separation. Is it that acquaintance from church 15, 20 years ago who has been posting some red flag stuff on Facebook, social media, some heartbreaking stuff, and you should reach out to them because probably no one else is. But honestly, it sounds kind of exhausting. Sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like high maintenance. Someone else will do it. Is it the homeless man on Carling Springs off Arlington Boulevard? Or maybe it's a homeless lady off North Sycamore Street and Washington Boulevard in Falls Church. Or maybe it's the guy that sits at South Glebe and Mount Vernon Avenue. Or maybe it's the guy that begs every afternoon off Wilson Street and North Peace Street in Rossland. Maybe they need some welcoming compassion. Are we allowed to imagine what kingdom community would look like if each of us made a commitment to spontaneous welcoming compassion at least once in our day? I hope we're allowed to imagine it because I think about it a lot. I think about how one middle-aged man out in L.A., through his commitment to compassion, by allowing the Holy Spirit to use him in love and service and in letting others belong before they believe, has helped build what is known today as Homeboy Industries, one of the largest and most successful gang member rehabilitation programs in the U.S., if not the world. And I get excited because if the Holy Spirit can build that through one middle-aged Jesuit priest, then what, if we allow ourselves to be used by the Holy Spirit, what can the Holy Spirit build through us? Hundreds, thousands of us. Maybe, just maybe, and forgive me if this is too bold for 9 a.m. in the morning, the Holy Spirit's challenge for you this week is to make one of those invisible people in your life visible. Just once. Try it out. Maybe the Holy Spirit challenge is to actually pray and let the Holy Spirit take the wheel in those conversations and the follow-up actions. Just let yourself be led. Stop trying to plan in advance for every possible branch of that conversation. Let the Holy Spirit actually speak and act through you. Maybe that is what we're called to this week.
So as I finish, let us quickly return to the passage of Jesus healing the paralytic, the one that we read in Luke, but it's a passage found in Mark and also in Matthew. And let me encourage you to think about the people who were moved to bring the paralytic to Jesus. We often think about Jesus' healing moment rather than Jesus, you know, taking down the Pharisees down a notch. And, and, but, but we forget about the fact that some, some group of people probably saw a paralytic and said, this person needs compassion. This person needs help. The passage reads that, that Jesus sees their faith. He is moved by the faith of these unnamed people probably regular people like you and me that just just acted out, just acted in a moment of need. In Mark chapter 2, it says that because there was no room left at the home, they like ripped the roof off the building. Can you imagine being being moved by such compassion by the spirit that you would rip off the roof of a building to get someone in front of Jesus, in front of what they needed? That's kind of wild. And I believe that these regular people, people like you and me, they saw the need of the paralytic and they said, there's no guarantee of tomorrow. There's no guarantee of later. There is a need here right now. Jesus is in town. We need to get this man to Jesus right now. Let's rip off the roof of this building and lower him down there. So as we move on to prayer, Let us ask the Holy Spirit to use us to tear the roofs off of challenges and obstacles and excuses, whether they are figuratively or literally. Are there any roofs that need to be ripped off around here in order that we may show welcoming compassion to others? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to remove all the excuses that we can easily make for ourselves when it comes to imitating Christ. And let's remember that it is only it is only by the Spirit, not through some great personality trait that you develop, not through some great networking skills that the DC area has taught you. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you can ever achieve, uh, try, come to any form of success in imitating the Lord. So with that, please join me in prayer. Father God, um, I, am, I get tired often of realizing how often I spontaneously combust at the starting line. Father God, I'm tired of how often I feel you tugging at my heart. But it's just easier to walk faster. It's easier to pray for the green light at the light, just so I can drive away. It's easier to just look the other way, to make sure that your doors are locked that your windows are rolled all the way up. It's easier to pretend that some people in our lives are just invisible, even though we know they're not because we notice them. So Father God, thank you for examples like Father G, people that would hang out with gangsters and thugs and recovering felons, Lord. Thank you for people like that that in a modern age can lead us to conviction that that we're called to imitating Christ, welcoming compassion, even when it's really, really, really inconvenient for us. And Father God, I ask you over the next few weeks and for the rest of our lives to keep bombarding us with those really awkward encounters that we may be challenged 
to imitation by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name, Lord. Amen.